calling all campers, Leslie Samuel here, your camp director, back again to get you pumped up for something awesome. It's that time again, it's time for Creator Camp 2024. We took everything you loved from last year and stepped it up a notch. Yet we're back and better and man oh man, we're excited to have you join us. Now you may be asking, what's in store for this year's Creator Camp? Well, let me paint a picture for you. Imagine an epic kickoff party where new friendships spark and old ones rekindle. Imagine rubbing shoulders with not just the awesome workshop leaders, but also the amazing Ecamm team. Imagine having interactive, hands-on sessions where industry leaders share insights in fields that you're passionate about. Well, you just imagine Creator Camp 2024. Reconnect with the Ecamm fam, and of course, meals and beverages are all a part of your journey with us. Expect exciting activities and local excursions. What is it gonna be this time? Wine tasting, scavenger hunt, an evening of stargazing? <laughs> I'm not telling, at least not yet. This year's Creator Camp isn't just an event, it's an adventure. The Ecamm fam is taking over Amesbury, Massachusetts again, and trust me, you wanna be right there in the middle of the magic. So pack up your essentials, your laptop, your camera, and of course your energy, and gear up for an unforgettable escapade at Creator Camp 2024. We can't wait to see all your smiling faces back together again. We'll see you at Creator Camp. Let's do this. Flow Riders, and welcome to another edition of The Flow. I am a community manager from Ecamm Doc Rock, along with my awesome co-hosts. Katie and Luis. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> yes. Yes. Today, we are going to talk about the benefits of having a podcast producer and like what that means and what happens and just like Luis, Luis is there, right? So we want to explain to you how he does what he does and why. And if you can, why you should. That's it. That's it. Why everyone needs a Luis, but you can't have ours. <laughs> so <laughs> unless you're in a different day and time, in which case maybe you can talk. About maybe. It. <laughs> maybe. Okay. Listen. I had some stuff I was going to say, but we'll start with a first question because Eden actually had a good question. <laughs> What's the difference between a producer and an executive producer and which one can I put on my resume? Well, let's be dead serious. Every single one of us can put EP on our resume because the executive producer for the Flow podcast technically would be one Kenneth and Glyneth Asperley. Because they, they pay for it <laughs> because Katie yes. and I are salaried. Yes. So the EP is the person who pays for the production. So when you see someone has an EP credit, they put wallet on that production, no matter what it is, TV show, Iblam, a song, concert, whatever, whoever the EP is, they're paying for it. Right. Yeah. So which a lot of times you'll see a bunch of executive producers. So this one is produced by Ecamm. So yeah, that would be what the EP is, right? Mm -hmm. And the producer in our particular case is Luis. There's two forms in a producer role, right? There is the producer who is running the show, basically putting together the flow. Okay, you guys call in to me. I'm going to press these buttons. It's going to recall. It's going to do this situation, so forth, et cetera. And then there is a showrunner who is normally the person that is doing all of the booking, planning for the guests, making sure that equipment is where equipment's supposed to be, so forth, so on, et cetera. So there's two forms of producer in the podcast world. We're talking about Luis pressing buttons. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's because here with the flow, with Katie and Doc, they do some of that production as well, as far as the booking the guest, who's going to be on, what the subject matter is going to be because a lot of it has to do with their interactions. Like they just mentioned that they were at card party in Anaheim just this past weekend. 
And I know for a fact that they were able to meet a lot of amazing creators and start building these relationships while they're there live. And that's how they tend to bring a lot of guests onto the podcast. So with that, they also have a bit of the production side on who we're going to be bringing in. And then during the week, they'll let me know and I'll set everything up in the back end. Mm -hmm. I think the most important part about what you do, Luis, and what I wanted to make sure everyone understands here listening and watching the show is that I think the most valuable part about having a podcast producer or someone in the role like what Luis is doing is the ability for us to be able to focus on the show itself while we are creating, in this case, live streaming it, right? We know Luis is behind the scenes. If something goes wrong, we know that like we can continue on and he will be solving any kinds of challenges or problems, you know, making sure that we sound and look our best. He is making sure that all of our scenes look good. The whole flow of the show is there. So we can stick with kind of the big picture planning of the show and then just the actual content creation, just the conversation and getting the content and the information out to all of our flow riders and the listeners and viewers that are consuming the content. So whether you're live streaming your show or your audio only or your audio and video, but you're recording, having someone whose job it is to be responsible for the quality and the button pushing and the behind the scenes frees up the host and the co-host to be focused on the content itself. And both sides of that are hugely important to being successful in the podcasting space. So if we can sell you or encourage you on one thing, like even if you can't afford to hire a podcast producer, find a friend, a good friend who wants to be part of the show, but maybe doesn't want to be on camera for whatever reason or doesn't want to be on audio. Find that person because it really does make a big difference to not have to be using that many different sides of your brain at once. Something is going to go wrong when you're using that many different sides of your brain at once. You're going to push the wrong buttons. You're going to do something crazy. Something is going to happen. So having that other person is huge, hugely helpful. And sometimes you can just forget doing all those things. You could just forget something like I constantly forget on my weekly live stream to do a segment called Cities Gaw, which is channels that I think you should go and watch. And <laughs> a lot of times I just like I'm seeing like, hey, bye, everyone. And as soon as I shut everything down, I see that I forgot that segment. Yeah, there you go. All right. So I think some of the things that we can talk about is. For you, Luis, as a producer, what have been your biggest sort of aha moments and then what has been your challenges? Let's break that up in two sections. Okay, well, my biggest aha moment was probably remote producing for this flow, because when I first started out, I was editing. So that's also something that I do here, that once I finish producing the flow, I have all the recordings through the power of Ecamm right on my computer, which allows me to get right into the editing process right away because I basically have all the files that I need. Now with Katie and Doc, I also have the ability to have them record their own files and transfer them to me so that I can have the highest quality reproduction or edited version of the podcast for both audio and video form. So that remote production was probably like the biggest aha moment, I think, for all of us when we were like, that's exactly what we should be doing, especially utilizing this program to its max potential. Yeah, it saved a ton of time as well. And I, I, we're probably a little bit of a different use case compared to many kind of traditional podcasters. But I think even if you're only doing audio or you have a you know smaller production than what we're doing, it's still like valuable to have someone who's there if that person is also editing or doing any post-production work to the files. It's nice because they're in the background. So they're listening to the conversation. So they understand where those points are. They can put markers in. They can do kind of that extra work that's going to save a bunch of time on the post-production side. It's magical when you find someone who can do the production work and the post-production work because the two do work really nicely together. Like if you were involved in the actual show, you know what to expect. You know if something went wrong, like where it went wrong, why. Like you could be thinking about how you might want to approach fixing it, even as you're working through the production itself. Yeah, I think that's huge, Louise. What about challenges? Well, challenges, I would have to say, is to try to be invisible, right? As a <laughs> producer, 
What I'm trying to do is make it seamless. And that's my goal to the point that if I don't ever have to show up or nobody knows that I'm producing a show, then to me, that's like A plus, I nailed it. But there's certain times where whether it's something that I've done, like last week, the show went black for a minute. (laughs) We didn't lose audio, but I was able to fix it in post. And then there was another example where we forgot to introduce Joe Casabona. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And I then had to pop up at the end and just tell Doc, hey, let's do a reread of his introduction so that I have those ingredients, so to speak, to mess with when I do the post-production and kind of rework the introduction in that edit. So if I would say the biggest challenges for me is to try to stay behind the scenes and make it like if I didn't exist, kind of ghost remote produce the show. Yeah, I think it's a really like, it's an interesting point, because it's a specific personality type that can really excel at being a producer, because you have to be really fairly organized, right? And you need to be able to stay behind the show. But you need to know when the right points are to pop up and interject or interrupt if something is going wrong in the easiest, fastest way to solve it. So, you know, this is not a great position for people who panic. (laughs) This is not a great position for people who are people pleasers or who like are overthinkers, because you really just need to be able to convey, organize like information quickly, and then disappear again, right? It's interesting. And I think it's something that people don't think about when they think about producers, is that there are, you know, a number of different things that you're doing behind the scenes, you're not just sitting there listening, you know, or maybe changing scenes over, but you're also there if something goes wrong, and you need to figure out the best way to tell the host or co-hosts that without disrupting the entire show or throwing everything completely off kelter. Yeah, you said it perfectly. Like you don't want to break the flow Mm -hmm. and you're having that conversation. And if there is something wrong, the most difficult thing is to try to fix it without anyone noticing. And if I do have to show up to try to not break that flow, to try to be like, hey, this is what I need and just keep it running because (laughs) that's part of the conversation. Yeah. You know, what's funny is uh, this weekend, uh, Pat decided to do a charity auction for some packs and cards to give away in order to raise money for this charity fund in order to help our kids better in school that didn't really have resources for school, things like that. Yeah. And it was a kind of a last minute decision and they wanted to do it live. And everybody else was like, uh, and then one of Pat's people came over and said, Hey, can you produce this? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, but do you need that? No, let's just go. And so we go, we set it up. We're doing everything the way it was quote unquote planned. And with a bunch of kids running around the tripod and climbing all over you, trying to get to Pat, there was no way it could be done that way. I legit took the camera off the tripod and I handheld, <laughs> you know, Uncle a Dog bunch was of standing <laughs> I handheld a bunch of box breaking for like an hour. But what was cool was in the beginning, you know, they're so into what they're doing. He's not able to show the packs to the people at home because they had a camera like right here in front of him to show what they're used to doing. Right. Show the packs, everybody in the stadium with the three monitors. And then I was just whatever. So now that I'm handheld, I could do weird Dutch angles and reach around the swag in order to shoot the angles and it just works. Right. And so the key element to that is what Katie said, right? You just have to stay calm. And if it merits doing something, which now takes me out of the hiding spot to produce, I got to stand right there in front of the stage and do it. But it was an overall better production for it. And that's something that you have to be able to be both willing and able to do. You see it all the time where a newscaster or sports person has to break the fourth wall in order to Tell the audience, hey, I'm going to have my guy. You're going to see my cameraman moving. It is what it is, but we're going to keep going. You know, it happens all the time, especially in the weather, guys, right? <laughs> when they're outside and all of a sudden, look, it's raining cats and dogs out here. It's like, why are you outside? Go somewhere. <laughs> Did not do that. Go sit by a window <laughs> and tell us what's happening. Uh, we all know it's raining outside. That's why we're inside. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Well, especially here, right? It always rains. Okay. So I do want to cover something that was posited by our live studio audience. And as a reminder for the people listening at home with the home version, 
Uh, you can come to the live tapings every Tuesday. We're here every Tuesday at noon East Coast time. And that way you can ask your question live. So here's a cool question. It comes from Educational Fire. It says, if you're asked to produce a show for someone else, what are the pros and cons of charging per hour or per task or rate per show? Here's the thing. Never. I mean, listen, you got to do what you want to do. It's on you. But I'm going to tell you my world. Never, ever, 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 ever charge hourly. I have an hourly rate. I don't charge that. I use my hourly rate to calculate the rate. And here's the reason why. The number one place that hourly raters break down is they have to track every single hour. And pretty soon you're not tracking hours that you should be. And nine times out of 10, you're doing way more than you bargained for. And you don't even realize it because you're not properly tracking hours, right? So when you're doing this thing and somebody calls you every five minutes because they're frantic, you don't charge for that stuff. But they can tack on three extra hours of them calling you, just double checking, triple checking, quadruple checking, just asking, you know, dumb questions, whatever. And you're not writing that down. So now you're literally spending an extra three hours on top of the five you allotted for this project and you don't even realize it. And you're like, well, how am I so tired? Like, why is my day gone away? Because they called you to stop to ask you to check something completely different and not to do what you're doing, but they figure, you know, and then, yeah, so I, I don't do that. You pick a project, you pad in a couple of hours on either end. I also had to remember to start padding for travel time. And I tell you what, after driving in LA for the last week, I guarantee you, I understand why everybody charges travel time. People in Hawaii get mad when you charge travel time. Because they're like, oh, but it's only across the town. And I go, yes. But in the hour that I'm sitting in this car going to your event and from your event, I could have did another hour's worth of work. So I have to charge you for that. And I'm not charging you my full rate for sitting in the car, but I'm also not going to not charge you. Right. And then how does the thing break down? Oh, my guy is on his way, but his car broke down. Why does car broke down? Why doesn't he have a perfectly working car? Well, because you didn't charge travel time. When I'm doing a remote event, I charge for my gear. Why? Because all you guys sit here and say, hey, I, I can't get this new lens right now. I don't have enough cash, whatever's. But I just did an event last Saturday. I did a, a live like Hawaiian cultural event. Yo, they rented my camera. <laughs> they rented my stream decks. They rented my Mac mini, my monitor, all the XLR cables. They rented all of that, right? So on my contract, here's the, here's the rate. Here's the rental fee for all the equipment. Here's the travel time. And if you're not feeding me, we're fighting. That's just, you <laughs> put it down. You put yeah. down what you want. Because if you're busy doing the show, Luis, you've done this. Just in the office at ECAM, we forget to eat. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I put it on them because I know that I'm going to be focused. You know what I'm saying? And so even at card party, Caleb is like, listen, stop and eat. And I'm like, yeah. okay, okay, okay. I don't even <laughs> want to. And Katie and Caleb been like, listen, Doc, eat, dang it. Like, if you don't eat, you're going to fall out. But I'm in my zone, you know, auto zone. Sorry, not sponsored. <laughs> I completely agree with all of that. And I also think giving a client one set rate, like you have it broken down, as you were saying, but like being like, this is the cost for this project also is easier for the client because they're, mm -hmm. you know, if you're managing a budget and especially if it's a tight budget, it's also difficult to be like, oh, okay, well, I need to make these phone calls, but every single one of those hours costs. There's a level of kind of concern about that. And you may not have the best experience back and forth if you're worried about hours and hourly rates and your client is worried about hours and hourly rates. Like you're better off just building it out into a project cost, padding it up a little bit because you're absolutely going to find things you didn't think of and doing it that way. I think it, it just creates a better overall experience for both sides of that coin. So I would agree completely. 100%. And if you know you have a lot of stuff to do and it's too, you know, picky, 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 make a retainer. Yeah. Here's a retainer. Here's a bucket. Think of this bucket as a two liter bottle of stuff. You use it all up. You just fill it back up. Right. Yep. So that also works because once you do a couple, you know what your rate is. Right. But uh, retainers allow you to charge a blanket thing. You can actually, that's a good way to get clients in the beginning is do retainers because you guys don't know what's going to take what based on how they work. Yeah. And then my problematic clients, I always like to tell them that my other clients get charged less because they're better organized. <laughs> it puts the onus on them to straighten their act out. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm like, so you're paying because your people are out of whack. But if you can get <laughs> your people in whack so they can tell me where to be at what time and have my positions all marked out, my power locations all marked out, you know, I can cut your rate by 20%. But I normally come here and stand still because y'all are still like, you know, waiting on somebody to come or whatever. So luckily the person I worked with last week, Mikey, Mikey is a world-class videographer. So he knew exactly what to do. So the workflow was like brilliant, right? We come in, we pop in, we set up and they're like, how much time do you guys need to set up? We're set up already. Oh, really? I mean, yeah, we're done. We're just waiting on y'all. They're like, oh, oh, okay. (laughs) You know? So that's how. Yeah. I think this is a good part of the conversation because there's so many different kinds of producing and production that exist. So in this particular environment, Luis is doing remote production, right? So the three of us are all in different locations. Luis is virtually sitting behind the scenes and kind of containing and running the show itself. So when guests come on, Doc and I are talking, Luis is talking with the guests backstage and in offline channels, making sure you know everything gets through properly and offside. But all of that, that exact kind of similar set of skills and functions exist in in-person productions, right? So like what, what Doc and I just did where you know, Doc was like building out an entire studio space, like, you know, taking cameras into different aspects of the conference center and you're capturing video content that way. The same goes for like what Jill does when she's producing sporting events or kids theater productions and things like that. Like, it's the same word. And we covered this last week, like it means the same thing across the board. It's just getting it into your headset of like, the details and what you're going to do are slightly different, whether you're doing it virtually or in person. And it's slightly different whether you're doing it kind of in that remote format versus whether you're on screen or kind of behind the screen. So like, it's different aspects, but it's the same skill set. And it's the same overall job. So important for all of us to know, because it increases your ability to get more clients, right? If clients are important to you thinking through like, oh, if you're really good at like all the virtual remote production stuff, that doesn't mean that you can't learn the few additional things you need to do to be able to do it in person. It's a few extra things, but it's the same path. So yeah, I just saw that PK was here, and, and so I'll just remind them. In Hawaii, we say, same smell, different nostril. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I love that one. <laughs> right, PK? That's an old flashback. He, I, don't, I don't know when was the last time he's been home, but I know he'll remember that. That's something that the uncles around here say, oh, same smell, different nostril, bro. <laughs> so, you know, Luis, I think one of the things that you do really well is your ability to sort of switch between modes on the fly. And I think part of that is because when you got into production level, you also leveled up your skills. I I just mean to say that, hey, I just realized we was kicking the same shirt. (laughs) 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 Luis has a shirt called Upgrade Your Skills, right? Mm -hmm. And what I will tell everyone in who, who wants to get into this, one of the things you need to know how to do is recover from everything. So you're going to have to simulate broken, right? You're going to have to hire a friend or, you know, enlist one of the kids or somebody to come (laughs) in when you're not looking and disconnect something. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Because the ability to solve on the fly is going to be what you're going to have to do. Again, I'll use this weekend as a thing. I don't know what happened. I already talked to Road. Nick and I are on a mission to figure it out. My Roadcaster Pro was ghosting channels. It went crazy. <laughs> all four of them are working. And then all of a sudden, channel two is like, nah, bro, I don't do California. Yeah. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> hey, hold up. <laughs> like, I need you right now. I got people coming. Right. And then so that's why you guys kept saying, like, somebody's mic isn't on. Yo, the Roadcaster was just they were like, on. Yeah. I'm not feeling you today. I am at Disneyland. <laughs> right. So <laughs> you have to be able to just figure out things that you could do. So what I was doing on the fly when it was acting silly is I was mapping it to a virtual channel and then it would work again. And then I'd put it back and it'd be fine. So I was just moving it for a second and moving it back and it'd be fine. The other thing that you might've noticed on one of the streams, somebody was breaking boxes, Shane, and Shane kept forgetting to hold the mic. So I grabbed Wireless 2 Go and I paired it to the roadcaster real quick and I just stepped right in the middle and clipped it 
because it's better to have my arm in the shot for five seconds for me to clip a road wireless go to to his body and then disappear again than to just leave him asked out because I'm afraid to stick my arm in the shot. I don't give a damn about a shot. I'm sticking my arm in there because I want y'all to hear the packs, yeah. right? So those are some of the things as a producer that you have to be able to do. And you are very good at, like Katie said, if something's tripping, I'm going to untrip it while it's still going, just keeping the flow moving. So Yeah, that's yeah. kind of like what you just mentioned of like, you know, that 20% organization discount. Because when you're producing or remote producing, you're basically problem solving on the yeah, fly on the all fly. the time. And mm -hmm. to upgrade your skills, right, it's to have that understanding of your equipment so that in case someone were to come in and sabotage you, so to speak, you would be able to know how to fix it on the fly. And keeping the level head is what's most important when you're trying to navigate all of the hecticness. And even if it's not a problem, it could be to your benefit. For example, Doc and Katie had a flow live stream where they were also taking over the Instagram account for another, who was it for exactly? It was, it was, it was for, Captivate. For yeah. Captivate. But at the same time, when we went into the Q&A at the end, Doc decided to bust out his gimbal and be live on Instagram. What I did was having the understanding of my equipment. I said, how can I bring that feed in right now without having doc having to remote that connection so that the flow riders could then experience what he's producing on Instagram. And because yeah. of my understanding, what I did is I opened up Instagram on my phone mm -hmm. and then I took my phone and connected it to the computer. And Ecamm was able to see my phone as a source. Then I took that source and brought it into the live stream and just messed with the sounds because I also knew that Doc was producing the sound. So I did not need the audio from Instagram that would have caused a double audio. And having that understanding, I just brought the video feed and allowed Doc to then share what he was sharing on Instagram with the flow riders just the same. So what you're saying is I would just change stuff for no reason. <laughs> you got to be malleable, Gumby. You got to be valuable. But I think what also is a great like hidden point in what you just said is that not only did you know the technology, you knew how to do it. So you had the idea. You were like, oh, OK, I see what they're trying to do. I know how to do it. I'm just going to do it. But you also knew both of us well enough to know that that's what we would have wanted you to do. So it wasn't like we were sitting on camera being like, hey, Luis, you know, this is not going really well. Like, we really need for you to show that. Like, we didn't we didn't have to have that conversation. And that came up completely on the fly. And because you were paying attention, you understood what, what like, the vision was, but you knew what we wanted from you without us needing to even say it or probably even think it. We were just like, oh, wow, great. That's perfect. Yeah, that's Let's exactly along, right? what happened. Because you yeah. guys were just thinking it and you were like, I'm not sure if I can do this. And I just yeah. popped up on the stream, <laughs> interrupting. I said, I'm working on it. I'll be right there. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's that's part of it. And that I think also goes to a level of confidence in your skills as well. So like, if you were more timid, like a, a person like me, I probably wouldn't be a great producer without at least a lot of practice because I would have been like, the Canadian would have come in. I would have been like, oh, I'm going to bug you. I don't know if this is exactly what you're thinking. Like, And I would have wasted all this time. Whereas you were like, I know what it is. I'm going to bring it on screen. Worst case scenario, it's not. But it's like, but you, you know, you were sure enough in yourself and confident in yourself that you knew what to do and that it would be just a really great additive part of the show. And you care and understand what the audience wants to see as well. So I think those are huge parts of the job that are really, really important. And if you're looking for a producer, look for someone that you can build those relationships with because ideally, you know, a producer, especially for something as special and specific as a podcast, you want to find someone that gets you as a host or a co-host and also understands your audience, your mission, what the show is about, so that they're not just pushing buttons. They really are like an integral part of the team. I would definitely say this. Listen, Katie's nice, so she's not going to say this. I'm going to just be always brutally honest because this is how I roll. If you don't have ice in your veins, don't do it. Yeah, don't do it. It, yeah. it. It's just really not. It's not for you. Yes, I know it's a money making opportunity. Yes, I know it's an opportunity. I know you want to get better, get better first, and then do it. 
Yeah. It's almost like, hey, I want to fly a plane. Let me just sit over here and pull the stick back. No, you can't. You can't just jump into this one. It's funny because we had a, a great conversation at dinner. And Katie is funny because Katie is the antithesis of my feelings on this. But she just said it without even realizing she said it. Yeah. In order to do certain parts of this business, you have to actually know what you're doing. Yeah. You have to actually know the terminology and practice at it. These are not the things that you can get by with with, say, a 40 percent knowledge. You have to actually know it's, it's just that's a different level. And that's cool. Yeah. And if that's OK, if that's not you, you could be the best announcer in the world. Yeah. And nice will take you so far. Like I know what my skill set is and where like where I bring value. And like I'm the person that can book all those interviews. I can build all those relationships with those creators. When they show up, I can make sure that they feel special. They know that we're excited to be there. If something goes wrong with like any of the pieces of technology, I'm the first to be like, ah, duck. <laughs> Please help me. help me with this. Right. Like, but I'm also smart enough to have hired a genius like Doc to be on site at these locations because I know what I am not. Well, also, you guys never seen Katie mad before. Yeah. Uh, I've seen Katie mad before, so it's kind of good. I'm <laughs> like, I know that there's a Canadian, but she's been in America long enough. She has an American switch. <laughs> but that's, that is how a good team should function. Like, I know that there's a reason why the two of us went together into this show. There's a reason why Caleb was there with us. There's, like, each person's skill set is complementary to the overall production of the event. So like, again, I know that I am not the kind of person that my level of stress for those kinds of events are like, I want it to look its best. I'm like hitting my set of goals. I'm not thinking about the technology because that's why Doc is there. That's what Doc is best at. That's what Doc is going to do. You mentioned something, Kate, and this is what's extremely hard for me. This is what keeps me up at night. Having the perfectionist streak that all people born in our moon have. <laughs> Virgos. <laughs> even remotely. All of us have it. Like all of us have that perfection suite. But then trying to fight that against, I know what reality is. Yeah. And I'm a very reality, you know, pedantic to a fault person. Yeah. So that's what keeps me up. That is my bump in the road that I can't overcome. The combination of trying to be a perfectionist and yet be pedantic as hell. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's really psycho. Here's a question from Dan. I'm actually getting ready to, to do a proposal for a client to produce an hour. We are doing live demos. Any advice uh, from the Kings, Queens of ECAM? Don't do it. <laughs> like, <laughs> unless you really have to, don't do it. You have to be fully ready for this. I mean, at the end of the day, as long as you and your client have an agreement and they understand that life happens. And you set expectations. That's yeah. my advice. Set expectations. Even to Katie, you have to remind her, it's never going to be perfect. We want it to be. We will strive for excellence. But just know if something does hiccup, here's a couple contingency plans. So we sat down this morning. Streamer X decided it doesn't no longer want to talk to the camera. It's been talking to the camera for a month. But today, nope. Doc's tech is on strike this month. It's like, nope. <laughs> but while it's being evil, like I reach in the drawer, I got two more cam links. So you just swap it up. You know what I'm saying? And once I put the cam link in, the cam link started doing something dumb. I was like, you know what? I plugged it back into the streamer X. It's totally fine. I was like, you know what, streamer X? I'm going to punch you in the face, you little Australian. Yeah, Dan, <laughs> I will say um, if you are going to do this, and I, it sounds like you may not have enough time to pull this off, but Stephanie Garcia did a really incredible series for us called Showrunner. If you go back and even on, you know, two times speed or three times speed, since I know you're tight on time, review some of those episodes, especially the pricing episode from season one. She did a really fantastic job in breaking down like exactly what to say to clients to set those expectations and how to approach pricing and how to like really think it through because Doc is absolutely right. I know, I know you're being sassy and sarcastic, but it's not that we don't believe in your abilities. It's that no one totally understands how temperamental live streaming is or video production, live video production, quite as well as we all do, right? Because we do it often. We know something is going to happen. We know how to troubleshoot our way through it. But that's a very different experience than when you are being paid by someone to do it when they don't really understand what live is like. Because Doc can attest to this. I was this person that even knowing all of that and at this event, when, you know, when someone as incredible as Pat Flynn is on stage and Ken is standing behind me asking me a whole bunch of questions about tech stuff, I'm in full panic mode, even though I entirely trust Doc, even though I know things are going wrong. I'm like, I want to look good. I want our team to look good. I want Pat to feel fantastic. 
we want to win even knowing things go wrong. Like it's that feeling, right? So that's what your clients are going to be feeling. So no matter what the size of the project is, just yeah, really clearly define those expectations. Maybe take them through a test run, talk through some of the different, you know, troubleshooting things that you know you can do if things go wrong, just so that they have that level of expectation. You know, it reminds me that you said something about no matter what the level, we have, you know, pretty high-end client that has an entire team and they come in and they're like, oh, I, I'm trying to figure this out. Like, you know, this didn't do with this. I'm like, yeah, because you guys have been producing for television for so long. Mm-hmm. And this is life. It's a little bit different. Here's yeah. the here's the delta. And then they process it and they go, okay, fully understand that. Because they know what the TV side is like. And we nine times out of ten, what they think is a problem is us just explaining the delta between, you know, the actual TV production and then the live production. And then they get it right away. And then they're happy as clams, you know. And so it's almost like throwing in the, you know, people like us, Luis, who grew up in Spanglish. Sometimes you have to translate what one of the aunties or uncles said. And it's not because they got the language wrong. There's a culture back difference as well, right? So it's not just the words. You got to do a a combination. That's a heavy code switch, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's one of those things. Um, PK, to your question, Paul said, do you have a shareable podcast set up guide for clients and to get better organized? You know, honestly, we do have guides for how to be a better guest and things of that nature. We don't have one about how to get the clients organized because I guess that's a little nebulous. It's really, really hard to come up with that. We have some of them in the showrunner download. So again, that first season of showrunner. That's yeah. exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. I would say hit showrunner season one and two and see what Stephanie is putting down over there because I think that information covers a large amount of what you would end up telling a client anyway or having yourself ready. So I was going to say it's the same answer as Dan. You guys both have homework. (laughs) Well, one thing that Stephanie did, and I do think we have this in a shareable guide, or at least we have the graphics pack that you can add in, is like what she does all the time is she works with like pretty high end, like big time clients. Yeah, big brands, right? So she's like the queen of working with large companies. So if she can do this, everyone can do everything else within this space. But She builds out scenes in advance in Ecamm, and rather than just sending over the proposal, the plan and project that they're working on, she actually takes them step by step what the experience will look like using like placeholder images. So like, hey, this is the first scene she's and she shared those images with everyone on Showrunner so you can use them or, you know, make them your own. But it's like, you know, it's like a little like cartoon image of like Luis. It's like, okay, Luis is going to be on like the camera first. And then we're going to go over to Luis. This is what it's going to look like. And then here's where the back channel is going to be. And then it's going to go into the next scene. And you know, now it's a it's a two up. And that's what this is going to look like. Here's where we're going to put their names. Are these names spelled correctly? Next, you know, the next scene, giving that level of kind of experience to a client and you have Ecamm already. So it's so easy to just bring them in as a guest flow through the show or even record it as a video or live stream it to a you know an unlisted link and let them jump on in the comments. Let them know what the experience is going to be like, whether they're on camera or it's the you know bigwigs that are just going to be watching. I, I think it goes a really long way. It'll get you thinking about what the actual experience is going to be like step by step, but it'll also give them a good understanding of what to expect. Eden says, what is your favorite and least favorite part of producing for others, Luigi? <laughs> Well, that's a really good question. So what is my favorite and least favorite? Favorite part would have to be working with, honestly, like really amazing creators. I get to work with a lot of people and I've been in touch with a lot of people that I never thought I would have ever been in contact with, if not for being a remote producer or producer of that sort. So that's like one of my favorite things. And the fact that I have the ability to help out so many people out in the future that only like your reputation, your report kind of grows with it. So that's something that I absolutely love. One of the hardest things for me for remote production, we'll have to touch back with that thing that Doc was talking about, about the organization or better yet, when you're dealing with someone new, which is what their expectations of it are. Because once you set the expectations, you know, even for like Dan, like if you are going to be remote producing for somebody, make sure that you set those expectations. And if it is your first time, you know, if it's your first rodeo, also let them know that maybe your your price 
that you're giving them is a special discount because it's like your first time and it could be the first step that you're getting into, you know, production or remote production in that aspect. So when the clientele expects everything to be super easy and they don't have that understanding, like Doc was saying, that it is live, it's not the same as television broadcasting and live happens so that even though we can set up for everything, all the scenes, everything to the T, there is a possibility that your neighbor cuts off your internet accidentally or you know what I'm saying? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, you know that there's certain things that could be 100% out of your control and knowing that you have to keep that level head and keep cool, right? Keep calm and keep on. Yeah. That That's probably like the hardest thing about conveying that type of information to a new client. So my favorite yeah. thing would be working with such awesome people like these two here. Like I absolutely love my Tuesdays and I really <laughs> want to emphasize that because I am very fortunate to say that as soon as I'm done working and producing the Flow podcast, I have a smile on my face, which is <laughs> the best feeling that I could ever wish for anyone. So that's my oh, favorite part. You. And then the hard part or the least favorite part is kind of like that onboarding procedure the onboarding, and to yeah. see if you really mesh well with the client that's looking for you to help them out. Yeah. And Dan, Dan said it's not his first rodeo, but it is going to be your first time riding that horse. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, you, you have to build a rapport with that person. So in a way, it's a good olive branch to say that although I have full confidence in, you know, this capability, I've done this enough, I want you to feel good about this situation. So I'm going to offer you an introductory. This is why many hotels or place, even, you know, swanky hotels would give your first visit like 15% off because they want to hook you. And once you got the hook, it's in like Donkey Kong. Think of it as a lost leader, if you will. Okay. Hank has a question. Do you recommend keeping it simple when it comes to guests if they have only a cell phone, a laptop, don't have any complex equipment uh, other than maybe headphones or earbuds? Hank, listen, listen, buddy, you and I are, are friends. We come from radio. You know when the station boss basically comes in, uh, station director, that's the word I was trying to look for, or a music director tells you, hey, I need you to interview Luis. Uh, he's going to be calling from Bayamon and He's going to be calling you in the cell. He's going to introduce about his new album that he's doing with Daddy Yankee. He's going to come on in like five minutes. And it just sounds like the whole thing is just trash. You hated those because it just interrupted your whole entire show. Everybody coming close. This is your show. If Oprah Winfrey, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, Oprah Winfrey says, hey, I'm going to come on and talk to your people about blah, blah, blah. And unless she's giving every one of you guys a car and she says, I can only come in my phone, I'm like, nah, Chicago, you need to get somewhere where you have a computer and a monitor because the phone is not going to cut it. Now, if she's going to give you guys a car and you get a car and you get a car, I might let her bring her butt in here with a crusty iPhone. But it's my show. My quality is important to you guys. I'm not going to sell my soul just because they think they're cute and put them in on the cell phone. It's just, it, those are the words. It, it's not good for anybody. It's not good for your audience. It's not good for them because they consciously feel bad about not having good equipment. So yeah. you have to just tell them, no, okay, check this out. You can go to WeWork and get set up, right? Uh, Joe McCaskill does his entire thing from a co-working space. He actually told us he does a show from WeWork. Yeah. So it's way too easy to get somewhere. And this is why... When they started to bring on the people who refused to set up good Zoom stuff, you know, back in the day, they would send them to go to do a podcast at a studio, yeah. right? And now a lot of places are building podcast studios in various neighborhoods. So unless they're coming from Betago Creek, Louisiana, and there's no place for them to set up. Me personally, I'm not letting them in. I'm sorry, because I feel like the drop in quality. Yeah, I've done it before and I, I'm not doing it no more. It was whack. It didn't help nobody. It's a really great opportunity. And again, this depends on like what your budget is, but and how important the guest is to you. But two things. One, if you're able to do a tech check 
at least a week in advance. And I know that we don't do that for this show, but we also don't have a lot of guests on this show. But if you're able to do it at least a week in advance and they show up looking like garbage, offer to send them something. Give them a discount, spend the money and get them like a webcam, a pair of in-ear monitors, any kind of microphone that's not, you know, that's how it's built in. Or there are a lot of different resources that you can send them. And I think we have a bunch of those either in the Flow Freebies folder or definitely in the showrunner. Again, this is a showrunner heavy episode, but again, in the showrunner resources, send them a list of like recommendations with your affiliate links. Like if they're a big enough person to say like, hey, I want you to look inside your best. These are the three pieces of gear that we recommend for all of our guests to get started if you don't already have them. Here's what the total cost is going to be. Setting those expectations again, like not only makes your show better and the quality that you want, but also makes the guests feel way better. So if again, if you're able to give them something, even if it's one piece or something to get them a little bit closer, that's a huge win. If you're not able to fund that right now, at least giving them the information and talking through like the why is going to help because none of them want to look and sound like garbage on your show either. They want to look awesome. So Yes. And, and you, so you figure something like this. So the, the Samsung Q2U is, again, 60 bucks. And a Samsung Q2U can plug into an iPhone with the proper cable. Yep. So for Twit, we always send people headphones and a Logitech C910. Yep. We sent it to people back when those were the top of the food chain. We sent it to every, every guest that was going to come on that wasn't going to have one because the output side was going to look way more important. Send them a camo gift card. Send them a free license to camo. Cover there the cost of their camo license. Everyone has a phone. So even that, like being able to add and tweak some of their settings with their phone camera and show them how to use it, like that's not brutally expensive. So. Brilliant, Kate. Send them a camo gift card. And just like a quick PDF on how to go in there and set it up, make yourself look cute. Uh, substitutions for tripods, okay? Uh, tape, <laughs> <laughs> bottles, books. Post up somewhere with good lighting, stack it up on some books, plug this cable in, and you're good to go. So yeah, that is fantastic. Cinema gift card for camo. Well, just to add oh, one last on, thing to oh, that. Hold on, is... hold on real quick, because we just got a, a, a end that I didn't know about. For $5.99, or use the refer friend link in Camo, and you can send them a free month. Oh, done. There you go, Hank. You're saved. You don't even have to spend a dime. So I was like, thank you, Eden. (laughs) Yes. That's awesome. That's cheaper than ice cream that Eden eat. (laughs) Well, what I was going to add to that was just kind of what he was saying as well, and this is going to Hank, that he was basically asking, like, if you're not talking about the technical stuff is it easier to just keep it simple right i guess the conversation always keep it simple exactly and the example that i'm gonna give is today's episode like i know that i have the ability and when i brought doc and katie in and we were doing the tech check i was like okay do you want me to set up the scenes and they were like nah let's keep it simple we have the three head overlay and let's just go live with it and i said all right and i still have the ability to make it as technical as i want to But that basically has to do with the skill of the producer, right? And how comfortable you feel with changing scenes and and things like that. I also feel just as comfortable in what I call the producer view, which is just like our basic Ecamm setup, which allows me complete control to just add people, remove them, and just move things around however I see fit. But definitely keep it as simple as it's easy for you. Right. So if you still consider what you're doing simple, even if somebody else considers that hard, hey, it's simple to you. And that's still within your wheelhouse. But it's only when you're trying to extend and doing something new that I would recommend try it ahead of time before you do it on a live. Yeah. Like this show today is almost like BTS. Smooth like butter. It's criminal undercover. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, the content of this show makes sense for having it as clean and simple as possible. We're talking about like what goes into making a show. We have Luis on. It's, it is very behind the scenes. So yeah, I love it. Yeah. And I think it also gives, you know, listen, people, part of that, again, Luis mentioned it about the confidence, the confidence to know that I can open this kimono up and just talk to you guys straight from the hip and still be able to present some value. I think a lot of people try to hide behind a bunch of twirlies and technicals and noises 
And today, guarantee you, let's everybody check the Facebook group. Somebody's going to ask again about how to do a transition. And I'm like, I can tell you how to do it, but it doesn't make your show better. What makes your show better is decent content. Like the transition is cute, but we've all seen cute and hollow, you know, like, like Paul. I'm just joking. I'm joking, Paul. Don't get mad. Paul gets to save up one punch or a slap every insult you make. And at creator camp, he's going to dole them all out. <laughs> Yo, Paul and Val have been planning some kind of like drag this dude into the forest and do something. They're saving him. up. They're saving up. What is- oh my uh, The other part from the UK has been given Paul Duncan tips on like, you know, how to throw me in the dryer and make all the parts disappear. So you can't find me. Like, I'm like, listen, y'all are ganging up. <laughs> <laughs> this was really good. Luis. This and and thank one. you for being willing to do this. Anytime. I love this. I think this is a, a really good conversation and again people you don't have to do it all by yourself like i i always say teamwork make the dream work and you'd be surprised how much better bringing another set of hands or another set of eyes in and i think one of the things that was definitely helpful i believe to our ability to do this all together is that time we spent during leap mm-hmm into podcasting during yeah. that time in the leap into mm-hmm. podcasting we even got a chance to hang out you know eat a bunch of time break a lot of bread uh Luis and i basically lived together for a month <laughs> because even then like the understanding of what the other person is thinking and how they're going to do it and what they're going to want and you know what their idiosyncrasies or in my case idiosyncrasies are <laughs> like Luis would just like know them right i think it even plays out here that connection that we have because we we were able to work together and our first inkling of this kind of sort of came from setting up that little room for Luis to pregame the guest yeah for the live show we're like oh Luis is good at this <laughs> we should have Luis do this <laughs> we should talk about that again maybe on a different yeah. date like if you're going to produce an event that's going to have multiple guests how to have that staging room. Like an actual green room. Yeah. The actual green room. The real deal Holyfield green room. room. Yeah. So for those of you guys coming to camp, you'll get to see it because you're going to be doing studio stuff with LD and I. And I'm going to just warn you, you better start practicing your skills because right in the middle of your setup, there might be gremlins going around unplugging stuff we don't even know about. <laughs> I'm not mentioning no names. I don't want me to blame Laura. But I want to mention one last thing, which I don't think we touched on, right? Which is one of the best parts of having a remote producer and not being one, but having one is for Doc and Katie to basically have their week open to be able to do everything else. Because the only real responsibility that they have to do is be here calling to me on (laughs) time. Like within 15 minutes. Why are you on time part? I was actually shows up on time. (laughs) (laughs) When they show up and they're here and that we're able to set everything up, like they don't have to think about it because I'm the one who woke up early in the morning on Tuesday and I've been setting up all the scenes and make sure that our guest names are in the correct position and spelled correctly. All of those little nuances that you don't recognize that take up a lot of time in the pre-production of any production is what I also think that is one of the key benefits of having a remote producer, knowing that somebody is like actively working on fixing all those little minute details and that you don't have to worry about it. And it's just like, call in, have a fun conversation for an hour, and then continue on with your day yeah absolutely which is like so that way you can just show up on time i was like oh wow check out these new color cables from road like these are pretty good like they got pink <laughs> look look they even got purple i didn't get any blue combox stole them all I'm like what what are we talking about today <laughs> <laughs> i'm telling you man i'm st- my brain is jacked up still because oh. like i literally got four hours of sleep all so. right time for us to wrap so that doc and i can go back to sleep <laughs> <laughs> get some naps on. Keep this show going. I just realized, Kate, I don't see, this is how tired I am. I just realized that Kate is calling from Castle Fox. 
Yeah, Kate is gone from Casa Fox. I had friends visiting last night, so shout out to them. They, my family and a bunch of close friends went uh, camping together while I was out at card party. So they were some of them were still here this morning. So I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna work from home today, and I'll just call in, which is one of the benefits of having a remote producer. I'm like, Don't have to worry about it. I'll call in. I know that I have my minimal setup ready to go here. I can turn it on and be looking good and sounding good. I'm laughing because Paul said. Hey, Katie, are there any Cliffs in Amesbury asking for a friend? No. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's uh, uh, Cliff O'Malley. Then <laughs> uh, that was rude. That was rude. We'll Just talk went after straight Irish from Massachusetts. <laughs> and then Hank said, oh, Paul is going to go straight Yellowstone on talk. Uh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Murgatroyd, even. Andy, yeah, you need an MV7. They, they really, they are awesome. I'm thinking though, and this you can all make fun of me for this. I think I need to bring a different color guy, a different color home, so that I can swap it back and forth. Because I'm like, oh, when I do my personal podcast, I'm like, kind of want that one to be purple or black or something else. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, absolutely. that's my only complaint. <laughs> is that I haven't yet gotten all the colors to swap. Everything else about it is so easy. It's just fantastic. All right, we're gonna but see, we're gonna have to get you one for the VHS podcast just at your house. That's true. in the actual color, kind of like uh, Heather and Evie. I know, right? We should do that. And That'd be fun. We do like '80s retro. Remember the LA Looks logo and the little colorful spirals on the side. We can do one of those uh, mics with just a bunch of weird '80s colors. Oh, someone to Nat too. That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. He I'm went in. there. He said yeah. LA Looks. Was- I know. Uh, yeah, he went there. He went there. To make your hair like decay. When I had hair. Boy, that was instant nostalgia. My mind went right back to it. <laughs> right. Super funny. Anyway, gang, thank you guys. We don't have to do Q&A. I was going to say, did we, don't, we did all the cues. We, we did answered all the questions. We're good. All those A's. Uh, that was really cool, guys. Uh, thank you for, you know, putting up with us and dealing with this behind the scenes look. And we'll see you next week for another edition of The Flow. Don't forget to go to flow.ecom.com. Man, let me re-say that again. Do that again. English. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget, you can go to flow.ecom.com in order to get to the podcast. You'll see that it basically works anywhere your podcast getting is got. If you want to send us any comments or feedback, I would say drop them in on the comment section on the YouTube feed off of YouTube Music or YouTube itself, or send us an email, flow ecam.com that's f-l-o-w at ecam.com this show is brought to you by descript or descript or whatever you want to call it and they just had a live announcement today and it's happening now which is like i kind of want to watch that because today they are releasing you ready for this their ai features i told you but when they had a cash injection from open ai that descript was about to get some ai creative features and I kept saying that, you know, Big Daddy's going to come in and just bless them. Today's the day. So you might have to catch it on the replay, but the script just dropped some brand new stuff. We love them. We couldn't live without them. We like them. We love them. We want more of them. D-E-S-E-R-I-P-T, Descript. Check out Descript.com. And if they ask you how you find about it, tell them you heard it on the Flow podcast because Luis produced it. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we did it. Oh we did it. Bye until next week, everyone. Yes. All right. Flow Riders out. Calling all campers, Leslie Samuel here, your camp director, back again to get you pumped up for something awesome. It's that time again. It's time for Creator Camp 2024. We took everything you loved from last year and stepped it up a notch. Yet we're back and better and man oh man, we're excited to have you join us. Now you may be asking, what's in store for this year's Creator Camp? Well, let me paint a picture for you. Imagine an epic kickoff party where new friendships spark and old ones rekindle. Imagine rubbing shoulders 
leaders with not just the awesome workshop leaders, but also the amazing Ecamm team. Imagine having interactive, hands-on sessions where industry leaders share insights in fields that you're passionate about. Well, you just imagine Creator Camp 2024. Reconnect with the Ecamm fam, and of course, meals and beverages are all a part of your journey with us. Expect exciting activities and local excursions. What is it gonna be this time? Wine tasting, scavenger hunt, an evening of stargazing? <laughs> I'm not telling, at least not yet. This year's Creator Camp isn't just an event, it's an adventure. The Ecamm fam is taking over Amesbury, Massachusetts again, and trust me, you wanna be right there in the middle of the magic. So pack up your essentials, your laptop, your camera, and of course, your energy, and gear up for an unforgettable escapade at Creator Camp 2024. We can't wait to see all your smiling faces back together again. We'll see you at Creator Camp. Let's do this.